we've been really talking about the transformation that has to occur in everybody. Everybody's being transformed day by day. And sometimes we get so, want to get ahead of God, and we don't want to get ahead of God. We want to, every day he has something for us. If you're spending time with him every day, then he is moving you along the way you should. People should fear God. The only truth is really if we fear God and, and listen for his commands. We've got to hear his commands and be able to do that. That's why we worship him and we meditate on the word. He lives in you. That it is a fact. Now, if you look at, there are three heavens, right? Okay, we live on the first heaven and earth. And then there's Satan's heaven. And then there is the third heaven. That's, you get up here, this is when you experience the Holy of Holies. This is when you really are being able to hear what God has for you. You're being able to know what words you're supposed to speak. And then none of, none of it is going to conflict with the law, the Ten Commandments. Nothing will. What he gives you up here, you can bring on earth. What you bring in heaven, you can bring it down on this heaven on earth. But if you look at this, and if this was bigger, when we're standing on earth, this is when the Holy Spirit's trying to draw us into what's up here. But in Satan's heaven, when we've got to break through this realm, what happens? It gets so tight. It gets so tight. That's how you know you're on the right, that's how you know on the right realm. And the Lord says, you have to do this. You're going to go through this. How many times? Many. many times, but you're going to have seven major moves in your life. The first thing that's going to happen is you're going to accept Christ in your heart. Then what's going to happen is you're going to move, and then he does what? Increase in you. And then it keeps going, and it keeps going. It keeps going. I love it in Revelations when it reminds us that of the seven churches. The seven churches talks about the seven things, major things that need to be overcome in our life. And so when we break that down, God is always working this in us. And who moves us at the time? The Holy Spirit does. We have to be a humble house. Because in the humility, because he's going to ask us to do something, and it is going to humble us. There isn't any move that's not going to be done through humility. And so that's the thing we have, because when we hear the instruction, when we press in, one day you're going to get an important piece of instruction. And then in that instruction... You're going to say, no, I can't do that. I can't do it. There's no way. There's nothing in me that can do it. And that's right. There's nothing in you that can do it. But he that is greater in you is going to be what presses you through it. All right? And you have the choice. He asks you, are you going to do this? And how, when do you start feeling it? Because you've already got the assignment, but you haven't done it. And then, you, and then of course, you're not even looking for the other side. You're just, we just look for this daily comfort in ourselves. If I can get myself comfortable today, I'm happy. If I can just have somebody tell me something good today, I can happy. You know what? The buoy, the lifesaver, there's a lifesaver that comes before you go through this door, but it's not a true lifesaver. It is actually trying to pull you, suck you back so you can't get that push through the door. And you know, when we talk about a soul in bondage, a soul in bondage, this is where the bondage is happening. Satan already has legal access to the world. But if Christ is in you, the power is already dead. If Christ is in you, if you're lost, you don't even know that, that there's another force. You don't even recognize that there's good and evil. You just live your life thinking that you're doing good. But when Christ enters in your heart, now you have to experience the things that God now has set you to overcome. That reminds us each and every one of us has been given a burden. Everybody's born into an assembly of God. 
that sells Jesus Christ, but doesn't mean it is of Christ, all right? But God says, don't worry about that because I'm gonna work with that as long as their name isn't against me, but it's for me, I'm gonna use it later on down the line, but it will never heal you, it won't. Only the pure word of God revealed to you is what's gonna help you. But if you don't go home and you don't allow revelation and prayer and time with him to water it, it won't come alive. It'll stay dormant until a day for it to come alive. And when does it come alive? He knows when you need that word. He knows when it's going gonna, it's gonna to spark at you. He knows it. And now guess what? We have to recognize our soul is in bondage to the things of the world until that word is revealed to us. And what happens? It breaks it. All right. So that's why I tell people, Man, he already knows we're going to go, the the righteous will stumble seven times. He already knows we're going to go through this. We just have to get through the first flow, the first couple flows. And when you realize you're not going to get to the other side until you are truly humbled, man, he knows when he's ready to enter you into that humbling. And you know how you know it? Fear comes. The enemy comes, boom, 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 boom. Because he comes to make you think that you're not a house fit for him. He does. Every time I go through it, I always think, I'm just not good enough. I can't. You know what I mean? But it's not even, that's false humility. The Lord showed me. We live in a world that is so false and humble that you got to watch when someone's tears are, tears are real. Or are they truly being humbled? How do you know? They are broken. It is broken. There is a time where he breaks you and then it was like, it's like you can hear everything then. And that brokenness, you can hear the sound of the spirit. And then that, then he leads you right to the word that once that breaking happens, it's the, that is the five minute miracle moment when that word settles in and the light, I call it the Lord show me when you enter into the Holy of Holies, before you get into the, in the holy place, there's the showbread table, there's the altar with incense, and then there's the menorah with the light. Well, light means understanding. So when the menorah light goes on, it's because you spent time with the bread that it says it gets replaced in the temple, what, daily? So, but then you got to be worshiping. The altar is for prayer and worship. And then God knows the day he's going to let you in the Holy of Holies where the answers are. We don't get there every day. Nobody gets into the Holy of Holies every day. We get into the holy place. And to get into the holy place, you've got to drop something of yourself off. But then he's going to humble you before he brings you into the purity. Even in the Old Testament, they were only allowed in how often? One guy was chosen one time a year. When you enter in from earth into heaven, well, then you're going to experience this, a very tight place. So that means we get to enter in by the blood. We get to enter in daily. We get up into the holy place. We want to get into the holy of holies. When we're trying to break the soul bondage, the bondage of our soul, it's going to be a really tight place and you feel like you're not gonna make it. So, the first verse, ready? Soul in bondage, Psalms 14, two. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand who seek God. So now when we stand here on the first heaven, we are standing on the first heaven, and we know that there is a realm that Satan has control over the earth, And God, the Lord, he is up in the third heaven. He looks down upon what? We're the children of what? Men, 
That means we've all been born into sin, and that means we are walking in our flesh. He's looking down to see. It says the Lord will look, what, to and fro. Look down to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. So that means he is, not, he is looking down on the earth, looking for that person that he's going to bring up into that holy of holies. He is looking down at the men, see, who is seeking me? Who is seeking me? I love this vision because this vision, when I saw the little chain the first time, connected to this bondage, I didn't really get it at first. But remember, he comes a second time to remove the residue of sin. So I'm talking about the residue out there. When you connect with Christ, you're already, you've already have all the things you need to enter into the holy place. But now to get into that third heaven, you have to cut out everything that connects you here to Satan. That's why it's called soul and bondage. Please go down to Psalms 79, 11. All right, it says, let the groanings of the prisoners come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die. Okay, so let the groaning of the prisoners come before you. That means what? If when we are in bondage, we're going to do what? Call to God. We're going to fall down, cry. But then he says, preserve those who are appointed to die. Okay. Once you've accepted Christ in your heart, you are already what? Tagged, appointed to die. And so that's what he means. That means there isn't special people. Everybody is called to the body of Christ. Everybody is called to be saved. He said that every man he has called to be saved. But what does it mean preserve those? Who are those? Those who have already taken the call. So if you've already taken the call and accepted Christ in your heart, then that means you are what? Appointed to die. I'm going to tell you, you die more than once. <laughs> there is a dying process. And so if you think about it, if he is looking down, he knows that there is going to be an appointed time when you have to experience that death. And you know what? You start feeling it. How do you start feeling it? Because you're feeling unsettled. Your world, you actually are, you've become so comfortable that you don't want change, but you're so miserable because you're what? Not changing. You are miserable because you're not, okay, something's got to change, right? Because he always has that in our life. He has a power, a greatness that he knows already. Boom, it's your time. Boom, it's your time. Everybody, it is their time. So we have to be privileged to know that he's already got, there is no time in heaven, but there is time on earth, and you can already hear the ticking. That's what it is when you die. Isaiah 5.13. All right. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity. So not only were we prisoners. You know, we start off as a prisoner, not knowing, caught up into it. It says, therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no what? Knowledge. Their honorable men are famished and their multitude dried up with thirst. So guess what? There are good people out there that don't know that they're captive to their own thoughts. And that's because they have no what? Knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if we can understand that we get caught up on this first heaven, but we get stuck in the seven he second heaven of anger, unforgiveness, shame, rejection, all these things attack us, 
not to move into the plan of God or even to receive and hear the plan of God because we have no knowledge. That darkness, and you know what? Satan doesn't want you to gain that knowledge. He wants to entertain your mind. Why do we talk about sanctification? We talked about sanctification is when you truly enter into the holy place so that you can be purified, cleaned up, and ready to receive what he's gonna tell you to do. Because there isn't anybody who doesn't enter in that is completely prepared to hear the instruction that he's gonna ask you to do. Because when you hear it, you're gonna to say to yourself, I can't do that. You're gonna to say, to yourself, no, I don't think that's God. Um, he wouldn't, he loves me. He doesn't want me to do that because he wouldn't want me to go through that kind of change. But if you really look at it, we go into captivity because we don't have the knowledge of his way. We don't have the knowledge of what he's trying to bring us into. When we walk by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has a meter in us. It like knows which way to go. But we're not to do what? Look. When we press in, we have to be able to walk in faith. And walking in faith is like this. And what we can't see, but in what we can what? Hear. hear. And when I hear, there's a direction that tells me which way to go. But I can't go like this. Okay, I'm hearing you which way to go. You know what I'm saying? And then you're peeking. Peeking is looking ahead before you actually do the action. So you're standing here like this. Lord, Lord, show me the Holy Spirit. Show me the way. <gasps> okay, this is the way. And then all of a sudden I go like this. Okay, I don't think I want to go that way. Because <laughs> that way is not going to get me where I need to go. Because it doesn't make sense in the world. Why? Because the moment you've decided to invite him in to show you the way, what starts coming in? Second heaven darkness, the oppression, anything that you're still connected to darkness, which we're all going to be to some measure, it's now time for it to be revealed. Whatever that spirit is that you're connected to, it's going to be revealed, and then he's going to give you what you need to overcome it. Fear, anger, whatever it is you're dealing with, there is something that's going to come into you to overcome it. The word became alive. We have to spend time in this word because the word is our what? Knowledge. And when it's time for it to be set free, when we're to be set, the captive is to be set free, that word becomes alive. So we don't want to be captive by lack of knowledge. We want to be spending time with him in the holy place. Go to James 1.8. It says, he is a double-minded and unstable in all his ways. Okay, this is how when we are, when we are trying to press into this third heaven and second heaven which is fears, angers, perversion, lust. All this is coming to narrow us down, to get to it. We get through a very narrow place. He says, for being as he is, a man of two minds. A man of two minds is the one that it did hear the word, but is deciding to do what they want to do. A man of two minds, hesitating, dubious, irresolute. He is unstable unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, he feels, <laughs> and he decides people are being tested. You, you have to go yourself, am I thinking, am I feeling? What am I deciding to do? Am I being dubious or irresolute? Am I not coming to a resolution about something? Sometimes we can commit to something and we actually, if it is of God, then it's going to get accomplished. But if it's not of God, then it is going to die out. But you always have to assess yourself. Is it because you haven't come to terms if it has to do with an exchange in you? Is it because you're functioning in two minds? 
There's always going to be a measure when you look at that. There are two minds standing right there. You've got the light of Christ in you, and then you have your flesh. And so we are constantly battling the two minds. If I'm hearing something speaking to me, and it's making me fear accomplishing something, but faith is going to encourage me. Faith is going to know how to talk. The Lord knows how to talk to me. He speaks to us in a way, but we have to ask ourselves, is this fear-based? Did it make me fear? Did it make me angry? Or is this faith-based? Because even faith, you can feel a fear to do something. But yet if you feel a lift, there's a lift when he tells you to do something, and faith starts to marinate itself. It starts to build itself so that bondage can be broken. That you just know this is God, and I have to put, push forward with it. Sometimes when we're in that feeling of unstable, unreliable, uncertain about everything. Come on, who's been there? We've all been there, that unstable, unreliable, because when he's taking you into a new thing, what's the key word? It's new. And so to get into a new place, something of the old has to drop. So that's why when we start getting comfortable and we get settled, I love this, in the awareness of grace, when you hit the hard part, you're settled, you're about to be called into what? Something new, something new he's going to use. All right, 2 Timothy 1.7. So just know kingdom life is the enlarged place, which is up in. We want to live out of this third heaven. That takes time. You have to build such a relationship with him that you are actually living out of that third heaven. So we have to recognize that. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, of cowardness, awesome lesson, of craving and cringing and fawning fear. But he has given us a spirit of what? Power, love, and a calm, and a well-balanced discipline and self-control. So think about this. When we hear the voices, when we know God's trying to break a soul bondage off of us, we are going to start hearing voices. Remember I said when God speaks, he's going to give you something. But usually we don't what? Believe him for, at first. And then all the other snakes come from all your other little sources and your little Rolodex that you think has value. And, that, and then what are they? those voices that you've studied or those voices from other people or those voices all start to what? Boom, boom. They start to attack what you even already know God told you. All right, so that's how you know you're on the right path because there's no getting up in the third heaven until you experience the tightness of the second heaven. It, it is tight. And we become unreliable. What usually happens? Satan tries to get us what? Not to get through to that third heaven. And so for God did not give us a spirit to be timid. That means don't be fearful to go to the new place. Don't be fearful to break through that second heaven. We're supposed to, that's the building. A person on that first row, they have a hard time breaking through because the, look at the boldness. Every time you overcome, what increases in you? Christ. If Christ increases you, what's increasing? Boldness for the truth. Boldness for the assignment he has given you. He gives you a power-packed amount of grace regardless of how much darkness is around you. That's what he gives you. He says, because God didn't give you that spirit, a coward spirit. He didn't give us... We aren't to cringe and, and go away. Every time something happens in your life that you start to feel these type of things, the pulling away, all that means is God already gave you enough power to pass it. 
to pass through, to break through. What is the definition of a coward? A coward pulls back because they're afraid to fail. Now, I know everybody in here has been a coward. And what is that? That is pride of life. Because if God's taking you to a new thing, you want to stay all what? Primped up nice, all together. And you still want to get through that door all together. It is true. It, I laugh at it. Have you ever said, well, when I get right, you know, we have a lease. He is, he, and you know what? The lease never ends. All right. He didn't ask us if we were qualified. You know, he already deemed us qualified and says, okay, but now I've got to break the darkness. I have to break this world that you've already become accustomed to. Because the second heaven always has us assessing ourselves. Everything's about self, self, self. If the confidence of Christ is being developed in you, that, cor that courageous confidence of knowing and knowing that he lives in you, but then sometimes you get so tired in the process that you don't see yourself as a coward. You see yourself as saving, my, sparing myself bad feelings. Because why? I don't deserve to have to go through that. You know what I mean? Because, well, I'm a good person. We can come up with our little list. And the whole time, the cowardness is coming out. The whole time, you are cringing away from what God is trying to transform you is the word. He's trying to transform Christ inside for an outside change. And in that, the soul bondage, that means the lies move out and what moves in? The truth, okay? We are to come in alignment with that truth. So it's awesome. We have been given the spirit of power, power. I think it's interesting that love wasn't first because you know, I'm a loving person, right? But he actually gives us, a, there's a power within us that can push us through. We press forward to the goal, pushes us through and of love because you know, ultimately we wouldn't be doing it if we didn't want to receive what? Love, okay? He is building a place of love. And here's your checklist. All right, you feel if there's a power brewing? Is this in love? Am I calm? Am I well-balanced? Am I disciplined? Do I have self-control? When you are knowing that you are about to enter in here, you, that starts all coming together to get you into that third heaven. That whole experience starts to come as one. It is power, love. You feel calm. You feel well-balanced. Everything is right on it. And every time I've experienced when I had to do something that I didn't really think I could do, and it didn't make sense to anybody in the world, and it would just build, and it would build, and it would build. And there was no voice that was going to talk to me and tell me that what I was doing was not of God. A power would build up. And I was doing it because I loved him. I was doing it because he, I felt like it was, it was a love bubbling up. I couldn't make sense. You know, love makes you go crazy. You can't make sense of it. There is no sense of love, right? So when you know you're about to do something that you know God has directed to you and you, the battle was on, right? The battle was on. You wanted to back away. Boom, there's a spirit that starts rising. And then you know what? You feel calm. Everybody else thinks you're crazy. You're like, I am well bound. I am good about this. And everybody will tell you, slow down, right? And then, but that's where it's awesome because when you have that type of opposition, you really know you're on the right track. And that's what's kind of cool. You have the column with him. Your spirit is connected with what? The third heaven. There is no darkness that can break that column in the time of move. 
in the time of being transformed. Nothing can break that column. And I know that people have experienced in here. And so when you get into that, it truly is the spirit he gave us. He gave us that spirit of power. He gave us that spirit of love. He has caused us to become well-balanced, disciplined, have self-control. Psalms 142.7. Psalms 142.7 says, Bring my life out of prison. Bring my life out of prison that I may confess, praise, and give thanks to your name. You know, it is awesome. When God asks you to worship him, God asks you to take communion with him, one of the first things he's asking you to enter in is with praise and thanksgiving. And he tells us, we are calling out, bring my life out of prison that I may do what? Confess, praise, give thanks to your name. That means giving him the glory. You know that you could not pull yourself through into that heaven. Only he could do it. He, you just had to what? Follow and do what he instructed you. He said, the righteous will surround me and crown themselves because of me. For you will deal bountifully with me. As we talked before, when we are entering into the kingdom of God, then that means he has already given us all the support. Everything to get us through, but it's going to only be through him. It's not going to be because you did it yourself. If you look at some things that you've overcome, and you're like, I did that, I did that, I did that, I did that, which we're, we're, we live in an I world. So when we live that way, we're already taught that, oh, I accomplished that. But Christ wants to accomplish it in us through our weakness, through our home that we don't consider fit. But the enemy wants us to think, that was really me, when it's a we, not an I. So go to Isaiah 10, 27. It says, and it shall be in the day that the burden of the assisterin shall depart from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. The yoke shall be destroyed because of fatness, which prevents it from going around your neck. And what this is saying is, is that as everybody is born on earth, we're the burden that they have to bear. But if you're willing to go through this process, he already gives you a promise that that burden shall depart from your shoulders. So when there's a yoke, this yoke sits where? On your shoulders. And so when we're in prison and we're captive and we're in bondage to a lie, and we don't even know it's a lie, but you know when God is taking and lifting that off with whatever word he's given you or whatever true movement's going on, he already says that in the day, there will be a burden. It will depart from your shoulders and that yoke will lift from your neck because you've actually come to overcome the lie. And remember, deception is a lie. You don't even know you're a deception. So you hide the lie. So I love the Lord. When we start calling up to him our burden, when you start really crying out to him and calling out your burden, he will start showing you those things and he'll show you where the unknown position is. All right? So you can what? So he can lift that off. And he can bring you into a better place. A freedom place. He's transforming you. And so there are fears. It says conflict and fears are all around me. But I'm trying to, he's trying to change our character on the inside. To be transformed in Christ. And there is, where there is love, there is no what? Fear. But it's got to be true love. When we decide what is right, and that's what we start doing, well, then that's where bondage comes in. You feel the heaviness of it. You know what I'm talking about? You feel the heaviness of being blinded. You feel the heaviness of not knowing. 
And so then you hold on to the old behavior until he transforms you. You just have to do what? Call it up. And as you call it up, no, all the darkness is going to come and repress you because it doesn't want you to make it through. But if you, you have to have verses like this. You have to meditate. It shall be in that day. That means appointed. There is a that day. Remember, we already read that verse. There's an appointed time. He preserves you for that appointed time to lift you through that darkness. And it shall what? That burden shall depart from your shoulders. His yoke will come off your neck. But you have to start meditating on that to believe that because in the beginning you don't believe it, do you? You don't believe that. You read that and you say, that's nice. But you're not feeling that. So you have to constantly re-enter. You got to meditate on the word over and over and over. Those are the verses that you are to hold on to so that yoke can be lifted. All right? Nobody isn't here is not trying to find the absolute truth. We just kind of think that sometimes the answer is somewhere else. We displace ourselves. And that's when we stay in the second heaven. We displace ourselves from the power of God doing it. And how do we displace ourselves? We go to man. When we go to man and we think that that person's going to make me happy or this person's going to have the answer, this one's going to lay hands on me and it's going to be broken. It has to come within you. It has to come within your relationship with him and it's going to be a word that's going to break it. It's going to be a word that you look at and then every time you look at it, you feel it and you know, you know, that, oh my God, you're getting delivered. And every time you have to make a choice on that word, what happens? Darkness, fear, everything comes in because Satan's job is to keep your soul where? In bondage. Satan's job is to come and keep you in the second cloud, not being able to see the truth. There are some people they can't see, okay? Because sometimes we just have to do what? Close our eyes to the world. That's what sanctification is all. When we talk about entering in the holy place, it is cutting out every voice. It is cutting out anything that's not God. That's worship, the word, and that's cutting out everything around you. So you know you can know who God's voice is. You'll never know if you don't get become sanctified and we don't enter into the holy place. All right, this should be elevating everybody. This should be lifting everybody up. Because when somebody comes up and says, what word are you standing on? You know what I mean? And it, it's going to be... The Lord's going to give you a word that you have to stand on, and then he's going to come and do what? Test you to see if you're going to choose that word. Romans 8.15. It says, For the spirit which you have now received is not a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage. Why do you, how do you feel like a slave? You're doing something you don't want to do, and then you start convincing yourself you're being forced to do it, but you feel worn down. That's the way we feel when our soul is in bondage. We feel like a slave when our soul is still connected to a lie and not knowing which way we should go, all right? And that's Satan. Satan wants you to think we are, it's like we get out of this zone. In this zone, we are crying. We think that it, sometimes it feels like slavery because that means we haven't connected yet to what the full assignment is. So it burdens us and we feel like a slave until the click happens, until faith ignites and meets grace and then everything starts to change. So he says, there is a spirit of slavery to put you once more in bondage when it's getting weary and the intensity of the darkness. Because remember, it's gonna be what? A narrow place. And when that intensity, do not think of yourself as a spirit of bondage. Do not. 
God is trying to reach his hand down like a friend would to pull you out of that. You have to think, this is his order. Man, when you start getting that, well, this is just how it works. And everybody else has to go through the same thing. So I'm not a slave, because a slave would mean I'd be in captivity and somebody else is enjoying life, right? When you're in slavery, you think somebody else has got better. And you're, woe is me. This is what I don't have, all right? So we have to get out of that spirit of slavery or thinking, I'm working for God. When God says, I just want you to work with you because I'm in you, all right? So he doesn't want us to ever look at slavery. I mean, sometimes you can, I know how that felt. I know how it felt. Okay, I'm going to enter into this. And it does, I, I, it felt hard. But now that I've gotten used to the training, the word says, when we get used to his way, his chastening, his rebuke, his scourging, we then become used to this. So we know how it goes. So now I know when I'm feeling the repression, feeling that even though I don't feel like rejoicing, I just start laughing because I already know if it's happening, then there is something new coming into my life. And he's trying to not bring it to me in slavery. He's trying to bring me out of that spirit of slavery. But he says, I receive you with the spirit of what? Adoption, producing a son. Why do we go through this? Because he's trying to bring us up into the third heaven so he can tell us the father can bestow on us all good things and perfect gifts. He wants to give us those things. He wants to reward us for growing up. And then as we grow up, we help what? Somebody else grow up. We help people grow up in this process. See, my story might not be the same as Sharice's story, but I know the process is going to be the same. Feelings are the same. I get it. But yet, he's feeling like you're in what? Slavery. All right? Because sometimes that pain makes you think, well, that's the only way I'm going to get somewhere. Go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not appointed us to incur his wrath. Now, this is going to be deep, okay? For God has not appointed us to incur his wrath. Now, do you believe that? Not when we're going through, do you? <laughs> he did not select us to what? Condemn us. But that we might obtain his what? Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no way you are entering in and going to experience the fullness of this if it's not through Jesus Christ and God within you working with him, not for him. He's not wanting to appoint us to his wrath. What does wrath sound like? Pain. Wrath sounds like, wrath is what? Destruction. He is, we stand here before him and he is not wanting to appoint me to his wrath like in the Old Testament. People really experience his wrath. You experience a stoning. That is not what he's saying. He said, I gave you Christ. I sent my own son. I sent him to die for you. I resurrected him back up to me so that you could experience the same way, all right? But he still had to take on the pain of the sin of the world. All we're doing is taking on the pain, a short-term pain. Boom, it's like this. You feel it, you know sin is leaving you. But you don't have to hold on to it. If you hold on to it, you're inviting yourself your own wrath within your soul. It is a wrath you create in your own soul by cycling out the picture, trying to recreate it instead of just living free and living by the spirit, not by what you see. Okay, this revelation here. 
For God has not appointed us to incur his wrath, okay, because he already gave us a way to break through the wrath that we experience is guilt and condemnation. He wants us to experience the conviction of the word, and guess what? There is no wrath in his conviction. In fact, there is a way. That's the difference. If you are experiencing wrath, then that means you are experiencing guilt and condemnation in your soul. And that's what holds you to the bondage of slavery. You're like, well, I'm going to do this. But it's because you haven't, we haven't gotten to that outline that he's not trying to bring wrath on you. He's trying to mature you, but you know you're holding on. You know the plow? Hold on to the plow and don't look back. So God wants us to keep breaking through, keep breaking through. And you know, it's just like the pause and the repeat button. How many times do we have to repeat the same test over and over? And we get so caught up in the wrath part, man, we are physically in pause. We can't what? Move. Because we've decided I deserve that wrath. Come on. How many times we thought we just deserved the wrath? When he said no, he said he gave us the spirit of what? Adoption. If we are adopted, then all we have to do is learn the way of Christ, enter in through his blood, and then he says, now hear me and obey. Let me show you that way. Because he said he's not here to condemn us. He wants us to obtain his salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, which means through means it's going to be what? It's going to be a process. We're going to do it through him. All right, Galatians 5, 1, we're almost done. Galatians 1 tells us how we need to move along with this. It says, in this freedom, Christ has made us what, everybody? Free. See, we're not in slavery. We're free and completely liberated us. Steadfast then and do not be what? Hampered, held, ensnared, and submit again to the yoke of slavery. So don't go back to the old. Don't go back to the old. Keep going towards the freedom. Here he says on the other side, it's what? free. It is free. God does not bring us debt. He brings us into freedom. Matthew eleven twenty nine 29 says, all right, we don't take on the yoke of the slavery. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. If you have to learn of him, then that means you don't know everything about him. I want you to think about that. Sanctification is a time to cut out everything else, but that word in you, worship in him. So that he can, you can learn of him for I am what? Gentle. And that means since he's gentle, that means he's not going to force you into a place that he already sees you won't go. He feels us as much as we feel him. It is a back and forth relationship. And if he gives you an instruction and sees you won't do it, he just puts his hands up and said, okay. He doesn't even remind you. He gives, there's that three time rotation that you get it and you can't do it. And then he comes again. And then he comes again, and then you don't, he, if you're not going to do it, he moves on because he's gentle. He says, I do that because I'm gentle. I'm not going to force anybody to come to me. I'm not going to force anybody to learn from me. But if you do learn from me, you're going to enter out of the spirit of slavery and enter into a spirit of freedom. But there's always going to be that part that doesn't what? It's not going to feel free, but it's ending up in free. He says, I am humble in heart. And you will, there is no doubt in this. If you do it, what's the goal? You will find rest. There is no, if anybody does the sanctification and breaks through and gives that focused time to get yourself in that third heaven, he says, I will give you rest. That means, oh my gosh, all of a sudden there's a peace in your mind, but you don't go back to the old bondage. 
You would never go back to the old bondage. The only way you'd go back to the old bondage is because it wasn't real. The word, whatever you went through, it wasn't the real word. There are things that we can enter into. It's not the word, okay? And you can get into a promise, but then later on you feel like, why do I still feel the same way? Well, then it wasn't what? The true revelation. And the revelation isn't about what somebody else comes up with. It's about what you experience alone with him. My experience can't be the same, as, but the process can be the same. But I can't go find the best self-help book. And it gives me the list of five things to do. And I'm going to feel like I'm in control. But it really doesn't help me. And how do you know that? It will be tested. And then if you're still feeling the same depression, if you're still feeling the same thing, then guess what? It has to be the revelation of his word. That's just part of us growing up becoming sons. He knows it's going to take us time, but he wants to say, learn of me. I am gentle. But if you don't want me after three times, I am going to do what? He is going to pull away because he loves you. He says he'll leave you where you're at. God is not going to force us into any of these moves, but we'll be miserable. We can be miserable in a place God's already moved us in. He's already moved you in a place, but now you feel miserable because you haven't allowed yourself to get through the what? The worst part. That worst intense part where I love it. Everybody does the same thing. I'm not going to make it. This isn't, you are wrong. <laughs> this is not right. This word does not, this does not work. All right. And then, you know, when you're saying that, what does that mean? All of a sudden, just think of yourself about to make it through and you just step back. When we start complaining is when you know you are, you are about to enter in. And so isn't that cool? He already shows us the mechanism. He said, afterwards, you will find rest. It will be ease. You will feel refreshed and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. You actually enter in like you really can start hearing the voice because you don't have all these other voices. But every time you overcome, one gets cut off. The head of that one gets cut off. The word is a what? A sword. You can talk to that snake. You can say, I don't want you. But you can turn your back and it's still what? Following you. It's still following you until you get the sword and you do what? You got to cut its head off. The sword is the word spoken when you had the revelation. It's not the word memorized. It's the word spoken at the time.